This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 195. If I compare the dollars I invested in the six single family homes compared to the dollars I've invested in the mobile home parks, I'm returning about six to one in terms of dollars. Wow. And I don't have the headache. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, man? Hey, I'm back. <laughs> Guess who's back in the house? Brandon <laughs> Turner's in the. I am. House. I'm, I'm, I'm back. And uh, Dave did a good job. So I'll publicly say, Dave, last week you did a great job covering for me. So good nice. job, buddy. Nice. Yeah. yeah, for those who so sweet. <laughs> for those who didn't listen to that show, I, it was the first episode where I was not there. I was in California for the FinCon Financial Bloggers Conference, yes. uh, which was a lot of fun. So, uh, nice. Yeah, anyway. we, we didn't miss you at all. Yeah, you did. You did. I could tell in your voice. You had this like sadness. You were very like, oh, yeah? deep sadness. I felt it the I, whole time. I, it seemed like there was a lot of joy. No, there was like I a weight it off was, my shoulders. It was fake laughing. You were like, ha, 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 Dave, you're so funny, but I really miss Brandon. That was, I could tell the whole time. So oh, you can't pull oh, it over okay. my eyes. Okay, Come on. Well, you know, whatever, man. <laughs> whatever you have to say to make yourself feel better. We'll agree to disagree. Right, yeah, fine. yeah, it's whatever. all good. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah, it was good. I surfed. You know, uh, that well, would be fun to watch. I, I hung out near a surfboard in the water. It's, it's not the it's, same thing as surfing. It's but. like watching a beached whale yeah. <laughs> on the top of a giant beached whale. It's it like a, a narwhal. A narwhal, is that what they're called? You know, the yeah, big the, white with ones? The horns. Yeah, with the horn. Yeah, it's me pretty much, but without the horn. Just the big white, you know. Well, if, if you look lumpy. at your hair, it looks. That's true. My <laughs> hair is kind of horny. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> I got horny hair. Good. All right. Moving on. <laughs> hey, hey, guess what? What's that? We get a new office. I heard you're moving. Yeah, we are moving to downtown Denver. Yeah, we, we got a new space. We're we're almost tripling our space. I might have to fly in to see that when you move in. Yeah, yep. very excited, man. So yeah, we'll hopefully have you here locally in, in Denver in November when that happens. But nice. uh yeah, very, very exciting. Very exciting. Cool. Cool. Yes. Well, Shall we get to the show, man? Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, got a, we got a really good show. We cover a couple topics that we haven't done a lot of stuff on lately and some interesting stuff here. Uh, before we get into that, why don't we get to today's quick, quick, quick tip. tip. I, was trying right, to harmony. I was trying to harmonize. I don't know. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah, whatever. That didn't work. All right, guys. Today's quick tip is if you have a Bigger Pockets profile, if you don't, you should go create one today free. Go to biggerpockets.com, create a free profile. But there are lots and lots of people who go and they create an account and they don't ever fill in their profile. It's like John Smith and the About Me field is empty and everything's empty except their location. But Josh, like, why do I care? I mean, I just want to read articles. Well, I mean, you care because if you want to read articles and ultimately want to be a real estate investor, you need to start meeting other people in your area yeah. um, or outside your area who may be looking for somebody that meets your criteria, yep. right? If you're a lender, if you're whatever it is, an agent, if you're a professional, or if you're just a regular investor, by filling in the information on your profile, you're helping other people to find you. You're helping to build your network. You're creating opportunities for yourself and possibilities for yourself for finding deals, for finding partners, for finding money, for finding mentors. So it just take a, a minute and fill it in. It's better than having nothing. Yeah. Take five minutes and put time into it and build something amazing 
it's going to you know improve the likelihood that other people are going to find you and your opportunities are going to grow just tell people who you are what you do what you're looking for and you know we're going to help you and help other people find you yeah there's time to time people will reach out to me and be like hey i want to work on a deal together or, hey let's you know let's do this and i go to the profile and they have nothing not even a picture no no information i'm like well, i don't know who you are i know nothing about you how can i build that trust and speaking right. of trust a video if you are a bigger pockets pro member you can add a video to your profile which is like a billion times cooler than just a picture oh, yeah. so yeah. Uh, it just builds trust in a in a really powerful it does. way and do make sure to upload that photo, a personal yes. photo of your face. We want to see who you are. We want to connect with you on a personalized level. So get in there, create your profile today, www.biggerpockets.com. And if you want to edit your profile, you'll go to biggerpockets.com slash, what is it? Profile slash basics. Oh, fancy. Big, long URL. <laughs> Just go to biggerpockets.com and you'll click figure on it out. Yeah, your picture and go to profile options. But uh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor 
like me, to get six months of Rent Ready for $1, which is crazy. Guys, this is show 195. We're almost there. Almost at 200. 200. Show 195 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 195. And if you have not yet left us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to this podcast, please do that. Please, please do that. Hey, Spotify. You guys know Spotify? I love Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, Spotify. Spotify has podcasts. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, and they do not have our podcast. That's not, that's a problem. That is a problem. If you listen to Spotify and you want to hear our podcast, maybe we can ask our users to contact Spotify and request that the Bigger Pockets podcast be added. Sure. Anybody? Uh, yeah, do that. We want to be on there. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. All right, guys. So today's guest is Rudy Kurtler. Rudy's a real estate investor focused on single family homes, specifically college rentals. We also cover things like mobile home parks, creative financing, getting started. If you have no money, you being a quote, sweat equity partner. Which, which I, is, yeah, I love that stuff that he was talking about. People will love a, that. Yeah, it's a really cool concept. Yeah. Working with partners, creative financing, a whole lot more. It's great. It's a great show. Really exciting. By the way, I'm a little bit sick. have somewhat lost my voice, which oh, is why I sound more like a little girl than I normally do. You're good. Yeah, so, I can tell. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> listen up, guys. Stay tuned and let's bring him in. All right, Rudy, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, this should be fun. I, I don't know when the last time we had somebody from the my home state of Minnesota. It's been a while. Oh. <laughs> oh. I hope I don't talk that way. I haven't noticed the Minnesota accent too much yet. Are you like a cartoon character, Brandon? That's how my mom talks in Minnesota. She talks just like this. And As opposed you, to mine in New York, who yeah. walks like this. <laughs> exactly. Great. Oh, yeah. moms are great. Anyway, we'll Rudy let's go though. back to I mean, Rudy. This poor and... guy is sitting here just dying to talk <laughs> and tell us his story. <laughs> he is. I'm loving life. It's all good. It's all all right. All right. Well, good. Let's get to your life. Let's talk about that. What makes you love it so much? And we'll start with your story. How did you get started with real estate investing? Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So I think the easiest way to explain it is out of college, I actually changed my career path that I wanted to go into. And so I was kind of hanging out, waiting for my then girlfriend and now my wife to figure out what she was doing and finish college. And while I was sitting around waiting and kind of change, going through a career change, I actually jumped myself into retail. So not real estate, but retail. And I've been in retail ever since. And the reason that's relevant is, you know, in retail, at least in my particular example, in my career, I moved around a lot in order to kind of grab some promotions and uh, so forth, I moved. And so I rented quite a bit. And about the age of 26, 27, 28, somewhere in that time frame, I started regretting to some degree the amount of money that I was putting into rent without having a lot to show for it. And so that really kind of became the catalyst for me to start thinking differently. And while I did well in my well in my career from a financial standpoint and making kind of that, making the salary and then had the Good fortune, I guess, to be, you know, earn some stock options and so forth and, and did well in that regard. I began to think about, boy, is there another way for me to increase the speed at which I attain wealth? And that led me to having conversations with actually a couple of brother-in-laws of mine who live in South Dakota, which is where all my in-laws live. And, you know, for me, living in the Twin Cities at the time, I didn't have the time or capacity personally necessarily, or I didn't think I did anyway, 
to start investing myself and, and do it in my backyard. But I was able to form a partnership with one of my brother-in-laws where he became the sweat equity partner in the business that we started. And we started getting into single family homes in a, uh, in a college town. Nice. So that was, so, that was the start. No, that's awesome. And, and you started by, by selling women's dresses, right? Al Bundy style? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, shoes. That was shoes, wasn't it? I don't even know what you're talking. Is that like, is that really? I don't. Know you mean. I don't I'm wait, too young. Wait, apparently, Rudy. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, can't help you. Married with children reference. Oh come on. Okay. Oh, yeah. for sure. But no shoes. Come on. All right. Fine. Fine. Jeez. Come on. <laughs> All right. So you're in retail. I'll, now, I'll give you a hint. See that? Oh, I do ah, see that. Yes, there you go. Can we there say that? Big, Can we say that on the podcast? Big ele- big electronic chain, big part part of a big electronic chain. Okay, so so you, you guys. Oh, okay. so it wasn't your company. <laughs> okay. You just realized that you know paying rent as a business owner doesn't necessarily make sense, and oftentimes, or you can make more money, obviously, or do better potentially through if you own it. Owning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so what was unique about it was it, when we started getting interested very heavily, I think we moved from interest to commitment. I think there's a big difference between somebody that's just interested in something versus actually being committed and want to commit dollars and time and you know uh, additional resources to something that was in about 2007. So we bought it absolutely the perfect time, which was spring of 07. Okay, the market cool. was at an all-time high. Yeah, oh, yeah, a great time to buy. A fun time. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, this is you're getting into bed with your brother-in-law, right? Which is family <laughs> with shoes, apparently. I don't know. I don't know what you guys do in Minnesota, but you're, you know, brothers loving brothers or something. Yep. But yep. Um, you're, you're, you're I don't business. even know what to say. <laughs> I got. Just don't. Sometimes you just roll your eyes at Josh and to move on. <laughs> All right, you're in business with your brother-in-law. You guys had this transition, the interest to commitment. I, I want to talk about that a little bit because. Again, I think it's probably the thing that people struggle with most. I think it's the biggest block of people who want to become investors who never do is because they can never overcome that. So how did you go from interest to commitment? What did you do to commit yourself and how did that whole process take place? For sure. So and, and part of that story is we had looked at a couple of different businesses to buy. And uh, for whatever reason, I couldn't figure out how to make that work with his business that he was running. And me kind of being long distance from where that would have been, we struggled at that. But through some family trips back into the, you know, into the state and being with family through holidays and whatever, we realized that the economy in that part of the state continued to do incredibly well. We realized that there was a significant upside. And we also happened to have a connection through him with a local realtor who was more of an investor than he was a realtor. So he knew numbers very well. He could speak the game from an investor standpoint, on investor language, versus just a sales standpoint. And I think that's really important, too, as you start thinking about how do you move into and what investors want yeah. versus just being sold to and finding an old house. So anyhow, it was, it was a fairly hot real estate market, just like probably anywhere at about that time. But we did know that we could feel pretty confident that the community was going to continue to do well because it was a strong college community. Okay. Even though it's fairly rural relative to what you and I think about. But that is, you know, we, we knew that there was going to be a very large college student population that would look for rental type housing. And so we felt very confident in that. And our first investment was actually a single family home with a two bedroom, one bath home. And if you run the numbers on a two bedroom, one bath, they're not very lucrative. Yeah. And we realized there's a couple of spaces in the basement where we could do some, convert some of that space into bedrooms. 
and we're able to make what was sort of a pseudo kind of half bath into a full bath down in the basement as well. And we were able to convert that two-bedroom, one-bath into essentially a four-bedroom, two-bath. Oh, that's awesome. And, yeah, that's yeah awesome. it did go well. And we knew, you know, just from rounding the numbers, that would work well for us. So can you talk about really quickly the two-bed, the two-one, what would that have rented for? And what did you end up renting the, the four-two for? And obviously, what what'd you also pay for this property? Yeah, absolutely. So we paid 120000 We were, at the time, encouraged to do a, an interest-only loan so we could maximize the cash flow because sure. it was still available. And then we, as a two-bedroom, one-bath, we would have been able to rent that for about $600 a month. So on average, it's running for about $300 a bedroom in that community. And by converting that, we doubled it to, and we actually earned 1200 a month in rent. Okay. So are you renting them to like college kids by the bedroom? I know we've had some guys on the podcast doing that, or is it just one? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the rent for the house. Sure. It's $1,200. And so whoever comes to us and says, we've got $1,200 a month that we can give to you, we're, we're in. Okay. So, so you still, you're not like, you're not like collecting four rent checks. Yeah. You're not yeah, renting. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes it a little right. bit easier. I think that would be a nightmare having to have like, you know, going over there and getting $300 checks uh, from yeah. all these guys. No, yeah. no. Yeah. We're not, we're not collecting from each individual separately or something like that. We say essentially there's one point person. If there are multiple people or multiple groups in the house, then we go to that point person. Sure. So as a two one, were you still intending on purchasing it or only when you realized that you can switch it over and convert it into that 4-2. We look at the future potential more so than the current. The the challenge for us is, and it's still true to this day in that community, is there's very little inventory on the market at anything less than $100,000. Generally speaking, anything less than hundred grand is going to take a lot of work to make it, you know, anything that anybody would want to be in. So we're just in a position to say, hey, let's get started. Let's dip our feet in water and kind of get going and and try to understand what you know, what can we do? What does the market look like? And can we grow based on the current market dynamics? Got it. So so your tenants, though, net, net, you get it converted. Now yep. you're renting to college kids, correct? Yep. yep. Okay, cool. So let's talk about that for a little bit. It is you know somewhat of a niche and potentially a great niche, potentially yep. terrible if you don't know what you're doing. So you, you own other, other single families now. What right. makes... What makes a college rental different? You know, what things do you need to think about when, when renting out to college kids? From my perspective, I, some of the things that are different are, you know, you know that you're going to turn the house over in a matter of a couple of years. Maximum is going to be a matter of four years. You're going to turn that over. You're going to have different tenants. I think some of the wear and tear on the house is potentially higher. We're not overly concerned about it. I'm not overly concerned. I don't go driving by the houses. I don't go walking through them very often. My brother-in-law, who's there, who's my, my business partner, does. You know, he'll look at them. He'll take a, you know, make sure the things are looking good. Yeah, I think, generally speaking, there's a little bit of the hurting of the, of the cats for him. You know, while there might be one person that's responsible for, you know, contact back and forth from him, if somebody chooses not to pay the rent out of that group of four or three or however it's, you know, divided up in those, you know, that particular situation, somebody else going to get the money at some point. And we've had a couple issues where that's happened where there's finger pointing. Well, it's not my responsibility. It's their responsibility kind of thing. And at the end of the day, they realize that there are multiple names on the lease. And if their names are on the lease, they're legally responsible for us. And we've actually had a situation or two where we've got to go back, you know, go to rent collectors and debt collectors and try to chase people down. So not very often, fortunately. I'm assuming you're having parents co-sign on all these. Yeah. No. Oh, you're not? Nope. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why or um, why? why? I mean, it's a good idea, though. I like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had somebody at some of the show recently who did that, and they had parents co-sign, and 
It's kind of a cool idea. That way yeah. you have somebody to, to go after versus, you know, a, a kid. So, yeah, I mean, it just didn't happen because it just was one of those, hey, we really never had the need or thought about it. or Right. Yeah, and, cool. and to this point, yeah, we've really not had the need. We have a, a one house right now where the, the parents are actually going to pay the rent. But they didn't sign the lease necessarily, no. Sure, sure. Gotcha. And, and how many total single-family houses have you done? Like, I mean, are they all your color rentals or what do you do with that? Yeah, we have we have single. Uh, I'm sorry, we have six single family homes in that community okay. that are what you consider college rentals by and large. And we do have in one case we have hardworking family that's in there. It's not a, it's not college kids. So back to my point earlier about it, just, it depends on who's able to come up with the money and sure. And uh, so, it's not like specifically I'm only renting to college kids here. It's just this is what no. the price is. Who wants to rent? Right. It? Okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I want to I want to go back and talk about something you you mentioned earlier, and that was when you got started, you didn't you had I mean you're working full time, you didn't have a lot of ability to do it. So you worked with a partner on this, and you called him a sweat equity partner, uh, and yeah. I like that I like that name. So what exactly does that mean, and how does that work in your guys's case? Yeah, the way it worked, and to this day, it's still working this way. So his we created an LLC, and we split our ownership. Structure. So he's got an equity in the business and in any business, any home or I'll talk about mobile home parks here in a second. But anything that we acquire, he'll have a percentage ownership in that without necessarily having to come to the table with cash on his end. And so I became essentially the financing partner in the agreement. And he became the, the face of our business in that community where people would when they needed to call them about renting something, they would go to him and we needed to place an ad. It was him. If there was a, you know, God forbid there's a toilet that needed to be fixed, then that, you know, he'd take care of that. God forbid! God forbid! <laughs> Nobody wants to handle toilets at 2 a.m., right? No, yes. no. That's- well- Brandon you know, I love toilets at 2 a.m. No, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you know what I love about this is that like, you, you, this is like the other perspective. So a lot of people yep. that are listening to the show don't have any money, but they've got some time. And other people have your problem of not time, but they've got money, right? Like this is yep. that perfect, like if you can find somebody with your missing puzzle piece that, right. you know, so if you're just getting started, if you're listening to the show right now and you're like, I want to get started with real estate, I don't have any money, find a guy like Rudy, find a, a find family Rudy. member, find Rudy, find a family member, partner, whatever, friend, interact on bigger pockets so you find somebody and work with them because, I mean, it just, it's right. such a fantastic way to put together a deal when neither person would invest normally. It's one of those like one plus one equals greater than two, right? right. Yeah, I love that. So that's very cool. Good point, thank Brandon. Thank Welcome you. Welcome back. Well, it's good to have you. Thank you. You know, it's you guys not true struggled. What they say about you. You guys struggled with Dave last week, so you know. No, there, there was there was absolutely <laughs> lots no of struggling. Also, yeah, I heard my we were, picture we were was we brought good. up. I heard my picture was brought up on the we're screen. We yeah, we're, yeah. we're good. Whatever. Can we move on. We're moving yeah. on. All right. So Rudy. anyway, sweat equity no, partners. It is, it is the perfect balance. I, it is very cool. I like that. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. So, that, one more, one more quick before we move on from that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the other point I wanted to make on that was you invested at a distance. I mean, I got that question oh. last night on a Bigger Pockets webinar: is what about flipping oh. at a distance? And I, I mean, that was my answer to them as well. I mean, yeah, you can maybe do it, but I know a lot of investors who have tried and really struggled with it. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to invest with somebody who has boots on the ground, even if they don't have money in the deal. I want them to be there, involved in it, because you have to have that person. I would agree. From my perspective, it's about trusting somebody. And it doesn't mean trust without inspecting. It doesn't mean trust uh, blindly 100%. It just means you have to be able to trust that they've got very similar, if not identical, interests to what you have and that they're going to make good business decisions at the end of the day. 
And we talk about some things quite, quite often where we have different points of view in terms of how we want to handle those scenarios and situations, and that's fine. But we, we have an opportunity to talk those, those through and continue to move forward. How, how involved are you at a distance then from, I mean, if you're in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul area, for those who are not familiar with the lingo, if you're no. in the Twin Cities and this is in North Dakota, you said, or South Dakota? South, yep. Which, which town, South Dakota. do you mind me asking? Just north of Sioux Falls. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Uh, so, I mean, they're not, what's that, 500 miles? I don't know. Maybe no, 200. Three, three. Yeah. Is it really that small? Okay, whatever. Yeah. So how often yeah. do you go out there? I mean, how often do you have to drive out there or do you at all? The only times I'm going out that way is for family, generally speaking. There, there are a couple of minor, over the course of the last 10 years, there's probably two or three situations where I've had to drive out there to close on a property uh, where they wanted me to physically be there because they hadn't met me, those kinds of things. But I think as technology evolves and, and gets simpler and simpler, we can do those things at a distance anymore. But I don't go there to check on the business, to be honest with you. I go there for family functions, and while I'm there, I'll check on some stuff, and we'll talk, and we'll strategize. And uh, nice. potentially, again, I'm not a CPA, but potentially tax uh, deduct that entire trip because you're, you're there for, for business, right? I don't know if that's uh, how you guys pull that, but yeah. generally, Wait, I think you can yeah. read a book about that. Can't I think you friend? could read a book on that called the book on, uh, no, what, what, the book on tax strategies for the savvy real estate investor by Amanda Hahn. Oh, you can it. pick it up at biggerpockets.com slash bookstore. Tax book. Or tax book. You can get, you can just go that one, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But go to bookstore. <laughs> anyway. There's other. Yeah. Hey, right. I, I, I've got a couple questions I want I want to kind of go back to. Please. Um, I'll allow it. <laughs> go ahead. Are you having fun? I'm having fun. This is great. Uh, Rudy, I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. He, he's special. I, I'm, um, I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. All right. So are you doing anything to tenant-proof these properties? You know, being that they are college rentals, you know, the five out of your six are, are, are college rentals. Are you, you know, uh, hardening the floors and walls? Are you, you know, putting better materials in, doing anything no. like that? No, well, heavy duty carpet's probably about it. I okay. mean, other than that, there's nothing unique or special that I would do for that house compared to, you know, if I rented a, a family. No. Okay, and and what would you, what would what would you recommend to somebody who's who's thinking like, you know, I live near a college town. You know, this this might be a good opportunity for me. Um, yep. What what advice would you give to that person? Should they do it? Should they not? You know, horror stories, things to look out for, tips like adding, you got to get in there, Rudy. You got to get those parents to co-sign, man. But like, <laughs> you know, what, what what kind of tips would you would you have for those folks? I think the first tip is to understand the market. Number one is understand what the current market is. So what is an average rental going for in your community? So is that, you know, are they typically rented by you know, the cost per bedroom, is that how it's typically done in the community? It doesn't mean you have to do it that way, but it gives you a starting point. And so I think where people probably tend to get in trouble is going to be when they don't do those analytics and they don't understand the financials and they don't understand some of the things that, you know, do I have enough in reserve in the event that, you know, the wheels fall off the wagon and, and I, you know, somebody didn't pay the rent or everybody didn't pay the rent. Do I have enough in reserves that I can actually cover myself? So those are things that start asking yourself and understand that market specifically. Okay. And, re- um, and any kind of marketing that you're doing that's different? I mean, is it just billboards on the ca- on the campus? Is it Craigslist? It's Craigslist. Amazingly, it's Facebook. And there's also a local community in the college itself. There's a virtual billboard, if you want to call it that way. You can post and put in that our homes are for rent. They're available on these dates. The only 
real unique thing that we learned was that in that particular community, about 55% of the homes that are in that community are rental homes, which actually puts a lot of pressure on pricing. And that's why it's yeah. so hard to find something that's at a real attractive price. And so from that standpoint, it's just unique in terms of, okay, we'll pay a little bit more for it, but we want to understand how does that relate to what I can get in terms of a re- return. And, and I want to understand the entire market. Again, for us, it, uh, in that particular case, our realtor happened to know because he was an investor. So he was able to help us understand some of the uniquenesses of the dynamics in that market. And that's what's important, I think, for any investor. And that's one reason why I think it's important to find an agent. I mean, your agent doesn't have to invest, but when your agent does invest, it's really helpful. Like when they, when they get it, because it's a different culture. It's, it's, it's not like, Oh, look at this cute little front porch. It's look at this cute little cash flow. (laughs) And it's a different kind of a a scenario there. So very cool. No, that's great. And and the reason you tell this is because, you know, we get people to tell things. I mean, you know, it's, it's like being on Oprah's couch here. It is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Am I Oprah? Can I be Oprah? You can be Stedman. You can be whatever you want, Brandon. <laughs> okay. Whatever makes you happy, bud. All right. So I want to be Dr. Phil then. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> okay. So as long as I'm not Tom Cruise jumping <laughs> on the couch, we're good. <laughs> okay. Working with family. I, I want to shift back to that. So you are working with family. That is potentially very risky. I, you know, I would not do it. I don't like the idea of working with family. I just, you know, I think there's too many potential complications that can come of it. You know, what do we do to make sure that, you know, holiday dinners are not an absolute nightmare? How do we make sure that working with our family is done in a, in a manner where there's that separation? What, 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 do, what do you do? Obviously, from my perspective, what we've done is we're very careful that to, to kind of keep business separate from personal conversations we, we talk when we want to quote unquote talk shop, talk about the houses, talk about you know the parks that we've acquired, we'll do that. We, we tend to not do that around the Thanksgiving table when a lot of the other family members are present. And we tend to be very you know very on point with what is it we're trying to accomplish, what we want to do, what are some of the specific tasks in front of us. I think the I don't know how to say this without it not being relevant, but you know we have a real good working relationship, and I you know that was something I considered before we started. Uh, he is an entrepreneur himself, so that entrepreneurial spirit is important. There's no question in my mind of whether or not he's doing the work and he has similar goals and similar aspirations around you know, what we're trying to accomplish with the investments. Yeah, those are conversations to have up front before you actually dive in and just do it. Yeah. And do you guys, I'm assuming you guys have like a written contract between you. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So that would be my advice to anyone who's thinking about working with family is, Put the relationship in writing. Write it down. Make it a business agree- agreement, business relationship, and keep all the personal stuff separate. Yeah, that's great. And we also try to be upfront and share numbers on a regular basis, and make sure that you know he's seeing what I'm seeing, and and I'm seeing what he's seeing, and we try to we have those kinds of conversations on a regular basis. That way, it's not, well, gosh, what is going on with the money? Because essentially, the way we're running the business now, I'll, I still handle the money. I see that you know, I pay the bills and so forth by and large, and he still kind of handles that you know, the day-to-day focus where I'm, I'm really sense. dipping my toe into it for an hour a week, two hours a week kind of thing. Okay, cool. cool. You had something? I, well, I was just going to say, you know, it does, it feels silly sometimes when you're working with a close family member or a friend, because I work with a lot of friends and family and it feels silly to be like signing this agreement. Like, why are we signing this stupid little agreement? Like, it feels dumb, but like, it is yeah. so important because you don't remember two, three years down the line, what exactly did we talk about? And then it gets, yep. it just gets weird. And then somebody gets offended very easily. And so like, even if it feels dumb and stupid and it's almost like, 
humorous. Like, okay, we better sign this document here. Like, it, yeah. it's it's so important still to do. But it. if they don't want to do it, that's probably a pretty bad sign, right? I mean, yeah, they, I, I would think it means that they're not taking it seriously. Yeah, right. Maybe they have different aspirations or different outcomes compared yeah. to you. Yeah. yeah, or they're trying to screw you. You know, you never know. <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, all right. Well, you know, so. What are you trying to accomplish? You, you said a, a few times, like, hey, what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to accomplish. What's your goal? What are you doing here? Why are you creating this this business? Where are you going with it? Yeah, for me, you know, my specific situation is I want to actually just replace the income that I'm earning from my corporate job, my, you know, my, my retail job that I have today and create that passive income, enough passive income to replace that, you know, corporate job income and, and be able to step back from working 60 to 70 hours a week and yes. don't you know, do something else. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So Great. I was going to say really quickly, by the way, your corporate job, if ever they want to offer discounts to me or to <laughs> the nation of bigger pockets, people, you know, we're always open to, in to case people are I'm wondering it's, it's best buy. So uh, yeah, people are like, why won't they just they say the word. name? Yeah. I'll put a good word in for you, Josh. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I just, I just say things, they come out and with yep. no intention there at all. Uh, none at all. All right, so yeah. you're trying to build up this passive income, which a lot of people who are listening to the show are trying to do, right? Replace their income. Whether they want to quit their job or not, it's still a really nice thing to have the replace your income, basically. So yep. one way that you're doing that, I've read in kind of the, the pre-notes here, is through mobile home parks. And we haven't yep. talked about that since it's been months and months, maybe even a year since we last talked to somebody who was doing mobile home parks. Uh, I know specifically we talked to Jefferson Lilly about it, uh, and I don't remember what show that was, but it was a fantastic show. It was a great show, yeah. yeah. I love that show, and I'd never even considered mobile home parks until then. Uh, this show is good so far. This show is good, but we're going to make it fantastic right now. Amazing. Uh, let's talk about it. downhill and hurry. <laughs> yeah, well, so. I, it started downhill with Brandon, but you know, <laughs> no. we, we were so, creeping our way yeah, through. You can't get much lower. So mobile home parks. Why mobile home parks? Yeah, okay. What is it, and why? Why did you get into that? No, I ask what is it because I think there's a lot of confusion about the difference between a mobile home park and just a mobile home itself. So, you know, please speak to that. Yep. And by the way, I think there is a great podcast that you mentioned, Brandon, which is uh, Jefferson Lilly, and I think that was one eleven. If people wanted to go back and look for it, I think. But anyway, uh, fantastic information that he provides. What a mobile home park is: uh, owning the land that the mobile homes sit on and the actual park itself, and you collect a lot rent from each resident every month or whatever the agreed upon time frame is. So very similar to regular rentals in, in terms of the time frame. But yeah, we actually, we stumbled into our first one back to the point about the uh, realtor that we were using, who is an investor. And we had, we had noticed that there was a park in the area. It's not in the community that we're investing in, but it was about five miles away. It was in a very small town. And we thought that was really interesting. I wasn't really sure about the price because it was, about the price for the whole park is about three times more than the price of any home that I purchased to that point. So I was a little nervous. So I just reached out to him and I started asking him some questions to help me understand the numbers and how would he run the numbers. And so that, that's how we started getting in. Cool. And by the way, that was show 111111. Go to biggerpockets.com slash show 111 if you want to check out uh, that podcast with Jefferson. So the price was 3x. You're trying to understand it. What got you hooked? What got you, you know, I mean, what really got you? Yeah. The numbers, really, but here's why the numbers. So specifically, the park was a what's considered a small park. Uh, it's a 21-unit, set up to be a 21-unit park. But in addition to the mobile homes that are on there, there's also a commercial building that's part of the park. There's the actual entire parcel of land is almost 12 acres. 
Wow. And as part of that 12 acres, the only developed parts of it uh, accounted for about seven-ish acres. So there's another five that are undeveloped that we started looking at with that boy, that's interesting. It's on a major highway in the area, very easy access to get into the community where we figured this is more of a bedroom community, but in order to get into Brookings, a very quick, easy drive for people, very easy commute. Those are kind of the first piece of information that I, I really wanted to understand. And then also for this particular town that the mobile home park was in, the direction that community is growing is actually toward the park. So in a matter of about three to five years, that park will be part of the city limits, we believe, you know, if things continue to go because they've kind of hit some natural barriers. You know, there's a river on the other side of town and there's some other you know, things that are preventing them, the city from actually moving in that direction and growing and expanding. And uh, so they're actually moving in that direction. So we figure those are all positive signs and very interesting. Yeah. In addition to that, we actually looked at the rent role and we tried to understand what is, you know, what are the current rents set at? Even at current rents and current dollars with all the units that are there, even if I was only able to collect, and then we used a round number, we just said, what if it was 75%, I can only collect 75% of the rents that are on the, the rent roll that were provided, would I still be okay and still be able to make the loan payments and move forward? And then do I have enough in reserve that if that were to happen, what, you know, can I cover myself for a couple months? And so once all those boxes are kind of checked and we say, yes, 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 this looks good. Then we started playing the what if game of, okay, great. Where are current market rents for lots in Brookings? where it's, you know, a little bit more competitive. And while it's only a five-mile commute, could we be closer to those prices? Are, are there some other things that could go up in, you know, go up in uh, in terms of rent that might make sense for us as well? And all of those things, once we start saying, again, we continued the list and kept saying yes, 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 we got real serious about it and real excited real quick. Nice, nice. So I understand if you're a landlord in a, in a single family and you're going to raise the rent, you know, some small nominal percentage, or if you're taking over a, a building, an apartment building, and you're turning it around, right? You're, you're mm-hmm. you know, redoing the landscaping, lobbies, making it really nice. How do you raise the rent on a mobile home park, on, on tenants in a mobile home park? Is, are there, is it creating amenities? Is it, you know, adding better landscaping? What, what are you doing there? A couple things. It's, from our experience, it's been cleaning up the park. So if there are maybe troubled residents that are there that aren't doing their part to keep the community clean, yeah. that's step one. Step two is the normal things like the landscaping, even though it's on a bigger scale, it still applies. You know, keep the grass mowed, keep the weeds down, keep the you know edge around some other properties. If that's how that particular park is set up, we'll handle that if that's part of the you know community lawn care or whatever. You know, the... We haven't necessarily added a ton of, you know, playgrounds or amenities in that regard. We haven't done that kind of work. It's just been more showing that we are, you know, we care about the park, we care about them having a clean, safe community to live in and being very responsive to needs. Just, I think, being good business partners and good partners in general has been yeah. kind of our strategy. Cool. Yeah. And you, you said something else that I thought was really interesting. So you had talked about developed parts of the park accounting for seven of the 12 acres. So I'm assuming you went in with the intention to continue to develop out this plot of land. Did you actually end up doing that? What did you do? How'd you do it? And tell us about that. Absolutely. So part of part of one of the things that we noticed, so not only on that particular first park, there was the, I mentioned the um, commercial building. I mentioned the, there was 21 units. Two of the um, pads of the 21 were actually empty. 
And so our initial plan was to bring in mobile homes and turn around and sell those to new residents in those two empty pads. There was also eight RV sites that were positioned, I would say not ideally positioned in the park. It just happened to be where they put them and, and they're, they, you couldn't see them from the highway that runs in front of the, in front of the land. Uh, there's also a couple of extra storage buildings that are being uh, rented out for storage. And so one of the first things we looked at is we're trying to understand, we felt like the RV sites were a nice to have, but we weren't going to guarantee any income coming in off that. So when we ran the numbers, we didn't, we didn't assume that we we're going to get any kind of rental on those again, because we didn't understand that market. I don't I have no idea about RV rent, site rental and all that kind of stuff. And what does that mean? And is there potential for, you know, embezzlement or people to park there and not pay that kind of stuff anyway so but as we considered it and we started looking we actually took a chunk of land that was right off of the highway in the front corner that you could see as people drove by and we put in eight more rv sites essentially we were moving those the existing eight and we moved them to the front of the park where there's visibility where people driving by can see and then based on putting those units in that cost us about let's call it $2,000 per pad per site to run the electrical and run the utilities to it. And then put the, you know, put the gravel down and so forth and put a little bit of landscaping there. That was about $2,000 per. That turned out to be just an incredible, incredibly lucrative move on our part. Just, you know, kind of going on a little bit of a hunch and kind of what we had learned from the first eight, that move to move them to the front because it created visibility very quickly and awareness and people that have lived in that community for 30, 40 plus years said, boy, I didn't know you had RV sites. How long have you had those? And we actually have a waiting list now where every, the two, yeah, the two pads that we were going to bring mobile homes in to, we actually ran it to long-term renters with RVs. So imagine uh, transient construction workers. So people that are working on a big construction project and they need a place to stay. They don't want to stay in a hotel. In a lot of cases, they'll actually have their RVs that they'll pull with them and they want to go into a spot and have the utilities paid for and get the utility bills in their names and so forth. And so those two mobile home spots, we actually converted and those have been uh, RVs parked in there for two years. Hey, Rudy, what what do you charge? You said $2,000 a pad to get them up up to par, but uh, what's what's the uh, what's the rent on that per night? I guess. Yeah, yeah. It depends on how they want to structure it. Meaning, you know, if they're a daily, a weekly, or a monthly rate. So if it's daily, it's twenty five bucks a day. If it's monthly, it's three seventy five. Um, plus, they pay the utilities. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, and so you can see how the numbers yeah. work very quickly. Yeah, you make back your money in a year or less. Oh, yeah. I mean, less far less than a year. Wow. Probably about nine months. Yeah, yeah. that's and awesome. We actually have. And so once we kind of got that done and yeah, people started realizing there's these RV sites there, we filled those RV sites up and actually filled the other two that I mentioned and plus the other eight. We typically have about six out of those eight ran out on any any given day. And we actually have, like my brother-in-law was telling me, he probably gets one or two calls a day looking for more RVs. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's very wow. cool. We'd never had anybody on the show talking about renting out RV pads. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really cool. Yep. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally 
in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So are you, you, you've got other mobile home parks, correct? Yeah. Yep. And we're up, are you yep. are you doing the same thing with them with the RVs? Well, each one is a little bit unique. We actually had so I'll, I'll go to the the second park and the second park that we purchased was just north of north of the Brookings area. 
So very similar to other real estate in town. Most real estate in town is very is priced very high because the demand is high and the you know supply is low. But north of town, we actually found a, a mobile home park that had been sitting listed for sale. I think it had been listed for sale for a year and a half at one point, and then it fell off the market for about a year and uh, was relisted and been sitting there for about six or eight months. And I talked to a realtor about that, and he just tried, you know help me understand the numbers, help me understand that part, what's unique about it, what's unique about the dynamics, et cetera. And what we found was under market rents in the majority of that park. So again, we ran the numbers, same deal, we ran the numbers on, okay, at current rents, can we make the rent? You know, can we make the loan payment? Can we make sense of the numbers? And once we said yes, then that got us real excited and we said, okay, great. Now what's the upside? What are market rents? How far below market are we? In most cases, about $50, $50 per lot lower than the market rents should be. We also saw that the utilities were billed and paid for by the owner of the park. In general, those should be billed back to the residents. Uh, so there's more upside from a profit standpoint. Yep. And it was, generally speaking, wasn't in great physical repair. So again, similar dynamics to what we talked about over the other one. So we could come in and clean it up, make it a better looking community, repair a couple of roads, and in general, kick out some of the folks that were having a harder time keeping their property clean and make it look nicer overall and, and feel safer. And we did that as well. Nothing to do with RVs. Yeah, we didn't do anything with RVs in that sure. in that particular part. So cool. For those people who did not listen to episode 111 with Jefferson Lilly, like, can you explain why would somebody even want to buy a mobile home park? What are the benefits of a mobile home park over a single family house? I mean, nobody grows up thinking, you know, someday I want to grow up and own a, mo- a mobile home park. Like, that just seems... They don't? Yeah, I guess not. Maybe you did. Kidding, right? <laughs> so why did you get into that? I mean, what's the benefits? Yeah, you know, so I would say to a large degree, we stumbled into it because my vision had always been we wanted to own apartment buildings. We wanted to own, sure. you know, we wanted to own 18 plex or 36 plex or whatever we could get our hands on in that community. Unfortunately, the majority of those apartment buildings are owned by three or four families. Keep in mind, it's a smaller community. There's about 22,000 residents that live in that community. There's about 16,000 college students in the community, not part of that 22. So you can see how the dynamics are very strong from a rental standpoint. We had really had a desire to own apartment building and we could never get our hands on any because the the cap rates were so high for those apartment buildings when they did come open and come out of the open market or the families or ownership groups that had owned the land that was zoned for apartment buildings. Uh, was owned by those families when, and ownership groups already, or the apartment buildings themselves were owned by them. So we really couldn't, as a small investor, we couldn't crack into that. So we, we really stumbled onto the mobile home parks as another way for us to grow and find some of the uh, exponential growth potential that's there, you know, that we weren't able to kind of get our hands on. So I, I would completely agree with you, Brandon. I would have said five years ago, I would never, or four years ago, would never have thought, hey, I'm going to be owning some mobile home parks and now we own four of them. I would say probably the most compelling for the listeners for this show, the most compelling part to me is from a dollars invested standpoint, uh, if I compare the dollars I invested in the six single family homes compared to the dollars I've invested in the mobile home parks, I'm returning about six to one in terms of dollars. Wow. And I don't have the headache. Sorry, Josh, I thought you can say something. I don't have the headache of... Oh, I just the, said, wow, I was I was astounded. Oh, okay. And I don't have the headache of worrying about toilets at 2 a.m. I don't yeah. have the headache of worrying about furnaces. And, you know, I don't worry about roofs in general. There are a couple of homes that we still own in a couple of our parks. 
And certainly I've got those responsibilities, but by and large, I'm not worried about those things. That's the owner's responsibility. And they we're, we're responsible for keeping the community good, keeping a good upkeep and clean and safe. And they're responsible for keeping their home to their standards. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. So, so what about managing? I mean, are you managing yourself? Do you have a resident manager there? How does that work? Yeah, so I have essentially two different entities. So the one entity with my brother-in-law in South Dakota, we have three mobile home parks plus the six single-family homes. And in that scenario, in that situation, my brother-in-law is still the owner. And he's, we have a couple of point people in each of the parks where you know we'll call that person if they can run and check on something for him. Okay. Uh, but by and large, he's responsible for you know make sure the park continues to represent what we want it to represent. Okay. Yeah, and in the new, uh, I formed a new partnership with a another individual who I've known for 20 years at the company that I work for, and he and I actually look for dynamics in a community that tell us or would indicate to us that there's going to be strength in the rental market for a long time to come. And I'm talking about uh, Rochester, Minnesota. Rochester, Minnesota, for those that don't know, is home to the Mail Clinic. Yep. And the Mail Clinic's on a six billion dollar infrastructure drive. They're about three years into a 20-year project of improving the entire community of Rochester and make it more desirable for their doctors so they can recruit doctors. And the reason that's interesting to us is because as that happens, very similar dynamics to what we saw in Brookings, which is the pricing of the real estate in town continues to go up. They can't keep up with the demand fast enough as the infrastructure improves. And so the hardworking families need an affordable place to live. And we actually found um, a park out there that he and I have bought, and he and I are in in the process right now of kind of rehabbing that park as a whole. And uh, we have yet to find our manager, so we're kind of taking some of the you know some of the day to day function on that, which is really really interesting, by the way. So it's, it's harder than it sounds, but so that's a little bit different dynamic. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I I've heard good things about that market, the Rochester market. So. And the Mayo Clinic, of yeah. course, is one of the best hospitals in the world. So very cool. All right. So one more question on the mobile home thing. As you mentioned, well, I read in, in kind of the notes before the show that you were applied for and earned your mobile home dealer's license in South Dakota. Yeah. I'm wondering, what, what is right. that and why did you do that? Yeah. So you know, trying to do some research on just mobile, mobile home parks in general and trying to understand what other people are doing. And I was also kind of snooping around to try to see if I can find other deals in the upper Midwest or in the Midwest in general to see if I could find other mobile home parks. And I actually stumbled on a program that's actually run by a company called 21st Mortgage. And they're in partnership with Clayton Homes. Both of those companies are owned by Berkshire Hathaway, which most people probably know as Warren Buffett. And those companies actually solve for a very common need that mobile park owners have. And that very common need is many mobile home parks have empty spaces. You know, they have empty pads that they're trying to rent out. Well, it can be very expensive for somebody to actually buy a home and try to move it in. On, on average, it's between five to $7,000 to move a home into a mobile home park space. And so for that particular resident that that generally may appeal to, that's a lot of, that's a lot of money. And that's a lot of money for anybody, frankly, right? And so anyhow, and so I'm kind of snooping around. We, we stumbled on this program with 21st Mortgage and Clayton Homes. And they will actually pick up the majority of those costs and they'll actually provide the financing for the homeowners in those cases where you're trying to bring homes in. So from a park owner standpoint, your way you grow your revenue and grow your profitability is you get all of your lots filled and you you know and then it gradually you raise your rent. Well, so for us, we we have a need where we have 
multiple spaces that are either we've got really old homes that we'd rather yank out of there and bring something newer in so it appeals to it you know somebody that's able to or willing to pay a little bit more so that would be great or we just want to fill the park in general so we get get that done well as i inquired about those programs i found out that i have to have a mobile home dealer's license i've got to be considered a mobile home dealer i said oh well that's interesting I start doing the research to try to understand that. Well, where, where would it make sense for me and what's the uh, process to go through that? And we found that in South Dakota, we, you could do that fairly straightforward. It costs some money and it takes a little bit of time. There's background process and so forth and inspection process. But we're able to do it and we got our mobile, mobile home dealer license. So we're actually, that just happened about a month ago. So I don't have a nice. big success story to say, hey, here's what we've done yeah. because of it. But the plan is then to start bringing in those homes and filling in those empty spots and upgrading homes uh, over time. And I might sell some homes on the side, but that, that wasn't the purpose of doing it. But yeah. Awesome. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So before we get to the fire round, I, I read something and kind of, you know, we send out notes ahead of time and just ask, you know, all the guests on the podcast here just to answer a few basic questions about what they've done. Uh, so we kind of have an idea of what, uh, where to take the conversation. So anyway, you wrote something here that I just want to read this entire little section here because this is fantastic, but we don't have time to dive into all of it. We could spend a month on this. It's about creative financing. It says this. I can speak to multiple examples of using creative financing from using my own assets, cash and stocks, home equity lines of credit, contract for deed, commercial loans for the mobile home parks, 401k loans, loans against my life insurance, cash value, collateralize the cash value, my life insurance policy with a bank loan for the down payment, thus leaving my cash value and annuity to continue to grow. Pulling in, oh, a business, oh, yeah, oh. pulling in a business partner for capital, uh, HARP refinancing to lower my interest rates and increasing cash flows, uh, et cetera. I, I mean, it keeps going. He's not, he's not like <laughs> thinking about these things at all. Is yeah, he? not at all. So, how do, I mean, how do you get a mind for creative finance? I mean, we could spend, again, an entire show on every one of those uh, uh, things. And uh, maybe we're going to have to draft you in to be a writer on the Bigger Pockets blog or something because <laughs> you could talk about all this stuff. Would but, love it. Yeah, I, oh, I mean, hey. good. So, how, how, I mean, how do you. How do you give a mind that, that figures this creative stuff out? Well, um, well, first of all, thank you for bringing that up. I, I don't know that I could take a lot of credit for it personally, but I think it's just asking questions, talking to people that are in the industry. It's, it's you know, being curious because I think my, my goals and my financial goals are really clear. Like a lot of people's, you know, they get really clear goals and I'm committed to hitting those goals. It forced me to say, okay, great. I've, I've hit a limit. So in 2009, we kind of, quote unquote, hit our limit in terms of what could we purchase from single family homes. But in talking to my financial advisor and talking to my realtor and talking to other folks that have a similar interest in, you know, kind of growing their assets, we started asking different questions. And what we started finding, well, sure, have you considered a home equity line of credit? Hmm, No, I hadn't considered that. Well, let's start considering that. That was, you know, very early on. You know, the business partner idea was certainly a way to spread some of the risk and spread some of the need for capital that you, you know, what you've got to come to the table with. I think some of the more of that list that you read, Brandon, I think a couple of the more really creative ones were using the life insurance, the cash value in my life insurance policies as collateral for a loan where we were able to find a bank through my financial advisor. You had a partner or business partner at a bank who said, Sure. We don't have any belief that the cash value in your life insurance policy is going to go down. We're willing to collateralize that and provide you a loan that you can use then to continue to grow your portfolio. So now my cash cash value in life insurance continues to grow and appreciate. I'm using the loan and I'm deducting the interest on that loan because it's directly related to my my investments. And I don't have to take any of my own 
my own assets and, and put them into these investments. And so it just, it, you know, worked fantastically. You got to look. I mean, you have to look and look, you know, search around to try to find those, you know, those banks that want to do those kind of deals. But they were very open to doing it. That's so awesome. it's, it's asking yeah. questions, talking to the right people, being curious and just thinking. I mean, you know, don't don't just assume that there's one way to do things, right? Yeah. yeah. And I didn't want to stop. We want to keep growing and doing stuff and do more deals. And so, you know, we found a way to do it. I think it just kind of comes back to that. You know, uh, um, one of the most famous lines at Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, which people quote a lot, is that don't say I can't afford it. Ask how can I afford it, right? That that curiosity of how do I make this work? So many people are like, oh, I got my four loans from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. I, they said I can't get any more, so I'm done. And they just stop, right? Like it's yep. so stupid. I'm like, there are so many ways to finance deals if you ask the right questions. So I love that you said that. Don't call oh, people awesome. stupid, Brandon. <laughs> I didn't say people are stupid. You know, the situation's stupid. Yeah, Listening yeah. to a bank say you can't get any more and then just never doing anything. That's stupid. But but if you don't know if you don't know otherwise, if you're not a listener of bigger pockets. If you're not if a listener, you're, you know, if you're not asking questions. Yeah. You're I mean, stuck. you know, you assume that people are who are in these positions know what they're talking about and have all the answers. And and I, I think that's isn't that the whole point of the show? I mean, the whole point of bigger pockets, right? I mean, this show is like yeah. question, question stuff. Yeah. You know, don't don't just take a no for an answer and and find a way to do it. If, if I could share a quick thought on that, I would say I've learned more in the last year since I've been kind of part of the bigger pockets community than I feel like I learned in the entire nine years that I was doing it on my own. And awesome. and I know that Sweet. Um, you know some people may not realize that. That, that the wealth of knowledge that's available on Bigger Pockets is amazing, and I think you guys just do a fantastic job bringing that to light for people. So, well, thank appreciate you. it. Take a look, yeah, dig around. If you guys aren't digging around, dig around. So. Very awesome. cool. I love to hear that. Thank love you. it. All right. Well, that's a good uh, way to wrap up that segment of the show. So let's shift gears here and head over to the world famous fire round. It's time for the fire round. There we go. Let's get into the fire round. Again, these questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which, of course, our users can get to. Listeners can get to by going to biggerpockets.com forward slash forums. So let's see what you got here, uh, Rudy. Number one, if someone is looking to purchase a mobile home park, what is the first thing they should look into to make sure it's going to be profitable? Well, I think there's there's several things. So first and foremost, what are the, you know, what are the rent rates uh, of comparable parks in the area? So think about you know, anything in the, you know, 10 to 15 mile radius near them or near that park, that'd be the first thing. So what are the current rents? Number two, assume that anything that you get for a rent that you're being provided as a rent rule from the current owner is not 100% accurate. It's just a, just an assumption. Don't assume that it's all, it's all there. Yeah, uh, I think they should be looking at, uh, is it on city water or city sewer instead of on a lagoon or septic type system? Because those can have very, very high hidden costs like into the hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix those and be EPA up the EPA compliance. So ask a lot of questions. One of the good things, a great thing to do is talk to the residents in the park, just knock around, knock on some doors and say, hi, Hey, I, I got some questions. I'm curious about the community here. I'm curious about, you know, X, Y, Z, ask them what they pay for rent. If you don't mind my asking, what do you pay for rent here? And you can very, very easily snoop out some information and find some good insight. Nice. That's awesome. I love that. That's a great answer. Great answer. All right. When you own a mobile home park, what are the added responsibilities and costs that you wouldn't have with a home purchase? So we talked about you know, the, the things that don't 
you know, the opposite, but what, what are the added uh, responsibilities for a mobile home owner, park owner? Park owner. I think the answer to that depends on the scenario with the park. So it depends on if it's a, you know, is it a rural park that's not on city water, city sewer, and then you have added responsibilities financially from a septic standpoint and keeping the water clean because that, that's a very important, uh, obviously, component of, of any, you know, for anybody. I think, boy, I don't know if there's actually more responsibilities outside of having a, you know, somebody, a point person or a manager in the park is a responsibility that's something you have to think about differently. And you, you're going to have to do a better job figuring it out who that person could be or should be. And then otherwise, you know, you have fewer roofs, you have fewer furnaces, you have fewer toilets, you have fewer, you know, but yeah. I, I think those are advantages, but I, I don't know that there's a ton more that I could think of. Maybe on a bigger scale, you have to think about, for us, at least in Minnesota, you got to think about, you know, snow removal costs on a bigger area, significantly bigger than what you'd experience in a single family home and then, you know, mowing the grass and those kinds of things. But cool. Yeah, no, I think it's that's good. great. It's perfect. All right. Uh, number three, when someone needs to find a quick, creative way to fund a deal, what is your favorite way to do it? Or what's the, they, they asked, what's the best route? But I'll say, what's your favorite? Depends on the individual. My favorite that I used was actually the uh, loan against my cash value and life insurance. So okay. using that, collateralizing the uh, cash value. Very That's cool. Great. That's great. All right, last question of the fire round. Where should a new investor look for a mobile home park to purchase? Can you, you find them on Craigslist? I mean, are there flyers at the supermarket? Where, where do you go? I would look online. I would Google anything that says, you know, the area that you're looking for or mobile home parks for sale. I would look at that. I, we did find one of our parks on Craigslist. Um, we've also just by looking at local commercial. So on local real estate websites, we looked under the commercial tab. You can look on LoopNet, you know, look for multifamily and LoopNet and you'll see mobile home parks listed there as well. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. That's great. All right, guys. So last week, on show 194 uh, with my excellent co-host, Dave Meyer, who I really regret is not here today. Or here we'll, have, we'll have Dave take your place someday and then we'll talk yeah, trash about you. Uh, It'll be fun. But um, so anyway, uh, on, on that show, we, we, we tried a new segment. It was Facebook Live. We had questions from our Facebook followers. We did a Facebook Live video, a pre-record, and we got questions today. Uh, we actually didn't get a lot of questions because I, I think people just really don't understand how lucrative these things could be. But next time, you know, if you're not following us on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash bigger pockets. We do record these Facebook live segments. We're going to be testing them out for a little bit. And generally, we'll let you guys know who we're interviewing, what what kind of uh, topics we're going to be exploring, and we allow you to ask questions. So, you know, uh, stay tuned, jump on that. If you ever see it, you know, we'd love to get your questions so that we can throw them out to, to folks. Again, that's facebook.com slash bigger pockets. With that said, then I think it's time to move to Famous Four. All right, Famous Four. These are the same four questions we ask every guest every week. And I know, Rudy, you've heard the show, so you know what's coming. Number one, what is your favorite real estate related book? I know that I knew this question was coming for sure. I would say a couple things. So one, my favorite real estate related book was uh, actually probably not exactly something you say is real estate related. It's actually called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Sure. Uh, yeah. And more so for the ideas behind it and less about the, you know, specifically what I do with real estate. I would say, like I mentioned a minute ago, from a how do I learn more information about actual real estate ideas, suggestions, tips, bigger pockets has been just a, amazing for me. So 
I like cool. it. We'll plug for you. Thanks. Pretty good book. Or, or <laughs> you know, novella. Good. There you go. Yes, uh, with the villain Brandon Turner. Is that what um, I'm a villain now? I don't know what you Chilling are. Chilling like not. a villain. All right, stop. <laughs> favorite business book, Rudy? Yeah, favorite business book for me it was actually the Millionaire Fastlane. I actually uh, heard it recommended on your show. I can't remember who it was. Dale Hansel, I think, was where I heard it first. And after watching Dale's show with you guys, I went and grabbed that book, and I absolutely loved it. So, Yeah, I've reread that a couple nice. times. I love that too. Yep. Cool. Number cool. three. Uh, yes, what do, you, what do you do for fun? Hobbies. My current hobby involves a stick and a white ball, and I would love to call it golf, but I'm not good enough to call it golf. So, <laughs> I, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, my, my former passion was playing basketball, and uh, I was okay at that. And I have yet to figure out this stupid game, but uh, golf would be golf is it. Uh, I spent a lot of time with my my wife and the kids. We swim a lot in the summer, and my daughters and my wife actually have talked me into doing a lot of stage dancing. Really, stage dancing. Yeah. Really. Yeah. We well, on full. Look at the time. So <laughs> we're gonna have, we're, we're, we're <laughs> gonna have to get a video of said stage <laughs> dancing. And by the way, on this golf thing, yeah, nobody actually perfects it. So good luck. <laughs> Spending the rest of your life trying a game that sucks. Uh, <laughs> right. So, yeah, good, good for you. No, nice, nice. Do you have a, I, do you have a I, cap? I stay far away from golf. <laughs> I, I like golf, actually. I'm trying to pick it up more often. But do you, have a, do you have a cabin up north like everyone in Minnesota seems to have? No, I don't. I, I don't I either. Put the pool, I put the pool in the backyard because okay. I don't want to have to drive up to the cabin every Friday night and drive home every Sunday night. That's smart. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, you don't want that traffic going up north on a Friday night. Hey, yeah, <laughs> right. weird cultural thing happening here. Um, yep. Can we finish this? All right, we're moving on Thanks. to the last question. He said, he said dancing, right? Yeah, there was something about dancing, but uh, uh, yeah. I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number four. Uh, Rudy, what do you believe sets apart successful investors from all those who give up, fail, or never get started? Yeah, I, I think it's the difference between being interested and committed. I think it's the difference between, you know, people that say, well, I'd like to versus I'm going to. And there's a psychologist who's actually done quite a few studies on the difference between certain people. It has nothing to do with their socioeconomic status, by and large. It has nothing to do with their access to assets and investments. Her name's Angela Duckworth, and you might have heard about grit. You know, she's talked quite a bit about grit, and that's the difference that people have in terms of saying, this is what I want to do. They've created a very compelling reason why they want to do something. And uh, they knock down those roadblocks. And I think that's no different in real estate as it is in many aspects of life, right? So why yeah. would people with the same athletic ability, you know, certain individuals play at the highest level that they can actually achieve and some never you know, even break it out, break out of college as an example. Why is that? Well, according to, according to her, it's the grit factor and uh, that ability to kind of push past those, those obstacles, many of which, by the way, are imaginary obstacles. They're not really an obstacle. It's just a matter of trying to find a different solution compared to what you've been looking at. I love that. That's awesome. I love it. Cool. Well, that about does it, doesn't it? That about does it, doesn't it? All right, Rudy. Well, listen, (laughs) before we let you go, where can people find out more about you? Well, they can find out about me on Bigger Pockets, and I would say my LinkedIn profile is probably the best for the majority of the information they can find about, uh, about me. So, Rudy Kurtler. On LinkedIn. Awesome. Rudy, right. thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. 
We'll, we'll definitely have to talk more about this writing thing that we had uh, hinted on and potentially might even have to bring you back to, to do a, a creative finance show or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll, sure. We'll talk about we'll it. Love it. I would absolutely love it. Cool. Perfect. All right, Rudy. All right, Rudy. Thank well, you very much. Thanks again, man. Take it easy. Thanks, guys. All right. See you around. Bye. All right, guys, that was Rudy Kurtler. Big thanks to Rudy. And my God, where is Dave Meyer when you need him? <laughs> Dave Meyer is over, you know, I don't know, running Actually, split tests or something. He's, he's in Italy right now. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, he I just left for that. a 10-day jaunt to Italy. So I, I am left out of the loop. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. But yeah, Dave's away and... I'm stuck with you. You're stuck with me. Well, that's all right. Well, we had and a good show today, anyway. We had it a, was a great, a great show. show anyway. Yeah, I mean, this guy is on on fire. I love mobile home hey, parks. Brandon. What? What? I, I missed you a little thank, bit. Thank, thanks, Josh. I missed I you. I did. Too. I mean, as much as I like Dave, like, yeah, you know, you're all right. Thank you. That's very nice to hear. I missed I, you, you too. You know, as much as I, you know, like to bag on you, and <laughs> I, you know, it's it's a rare moment of uh, of uh, seriousness from Josh Dork. Is this is this male bonding? Is this what it feels like? You want a hug? I can, uh, I can hug I, you if you were I, in the room with me. I, I would go for a hug right now. <laughs> well, I miss you too. Well, you know, I was, I don't know, hanging out with a bunch of finance nerds. Yeah. Like nerds. Nerds. Yeah. And if that sounds mean, that's not actually, that's like their slogan this year. It. Yeah, it was uh, finance nerds unite. I don't know. I love so, it. Yeah. It's not mean. No, they, they, we, they consider themselves nerds. We consider ourselves nerds. But nerds. But yeah, yeah. Today, I mean, Rudy was, Rudy's awesome. Yeah. I love that idea that he started. We talked about the, the sweat equity partner and from both angles, right? If you've got money but no time, find somebody who's got no money and got time and, and yep. vice versa. Like, yep. uh, it's such a good way, you know, that's that partnership thing we talk a lot about. It so, is. Yeah. It's a very cool way to invest. That's, that's, yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, I'm watching a new show, by the way. What are you watching? Designated Survivor. You know, I, it's on my list. It's my number one show to, to, to watch. I haven't started it yet, but. It's interesting. Is it's it? interesting. I mean, you know the concept, right? Yeah, and Kiefer Sutherland's just like the coolest actor since 24. But Yeah, I, I read reviews. People are like, whatever about it. But I don't know. It's just kind of it's fascinating and frightening as hell to think oh. about. And they dig into some stuff. You're like, oh, God, what if this happens? Like, this is, <laughs> this is horrifying. Oh, wow. Yeah. Crazy. I will, but, uh, I'll yeah, check that out. Good. Yeah, you should check it out. What are you watching these days? Mm, I just finished all eight Harry Potter movies. Yeah, interesting. I, I think just, my daughter just finished book six. She's nice. reading them. Those are scary books. They get they get scarier and scarier. They <laughs> are, and she she has nightmares. <laughs> you should have her watch the movie. That'll be even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Harry Potter, huh? Harry Potter. I just well, I read the whole series of books, and now I had to watch all the movies. And you'd never seen the movies before. I I've seen the movies, but I re- I watched the movies first, then I read the books, and now I rewatched ah. the movies. So now I'm kind of on like a fantasy kick. I think I'm going to go start the Chronicles of Narnia next. I haven't read those nice. since I was like more 12. more children's reading. Good. For I you. know. I like those books. Yeah, just, good for you. Easy, I'm happy really... books. You know, like if they have more than like seven letters in a word, I just skip it. You know. <laughs> Well, why, yeah. why read those? Yeah, why? Why bother? Why I got bother? you. Why I bother? got you. Cool, man. Well, let's get out of here. <laughs> All right. I'm, uh, I'm ready. You do it. All right. Well, listen, guys. It's a great show. Again, listen to that quick tip that we left in the beginning of the show. If you haven't yet, yet created that profile and filled it in with details, please go do so today at biggerpockets.com. Otherwise, we'll see you around the community. We'll see you on the site. Please spread the word of Bigger Pockets. Post about us on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever the heck you are. Instagram. I don't know. Share my space, my space, my space. space. I love that site. Yeah, share us, (laughs) spread the word, and uh, stay tuned for next week on the Bigger Pockets podcast. And we got to figure out who we're going to have for show 200. I know the big one. Yeah, we'll sort it out. All right, guys, till then, I'm Josh Dorkin signing off. 
You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.